Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say on every episode, we got a great one for you. Who do we have? We have Terry Fader with us today. He is among the world's most gifted and accomplished ventriloquists, but his talents go far beyond that unique skill. He is also a first-rate comedian, as well as a world-class singer and mimic, able to perform in more than 200 unique celebrity voices. And you may also remember that he was the winner of America's Got Talent Season 2. And we're excited to have him on the show, so welcome to the show. Yes, welcome. What a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's definitely our pleasure. Um, you know, I always like to start the same way because the last 18, 20 months or so has been rough for the entertainment industry. And yeah. so how has COVID affected what you do and what have you done through this time to kind of maneuver through it? Well, I mean, obviously it was it was incredibly difficult for all of us entertainers. Um, we were one of the last uh, the, the last of the people that they allowed to open, especially like here in Vegas. I mean, we went first to go down. Well, first to go down, they closed us down in mid March, um, uh, early to mid March of 2020. And I did not get back on stage until um, mid March, 2021. So a full year of no, of no income and not, not being able to actually perform, which I I tell you um, for an entertainer, that's just, that's rough. So what I did was I I didn't realize how, how little time off I'd actually had in the 20 years or 25 years since I had started doing this professionally. Uh, I mean, I worked all the time. So for the first maybe two weeks or a month, I was kind of like, wow, this is, you know, cause it was supposed to be what, two weeks to flatten the curve. Remember that? Remember those days right, two weeks, um, when they told that. us that and, and, as it, and after, yes, oh my gosh. So, so for the first two weeks or a month, I'm thinking, well, this is kind of nice, you know, we'll be getting up soon. And then yeah. as it began to drag along, I, I began to get very, very restless and very, um, you know, I, I wasn't happy with just sitting around and and uh, watching TV and playing video games with my wife. And and um, so I decided I was going to start doing some things. And the fun thing about it was that uh, up until COVID happened, I always I would put out regular videos. But when I would do it, I would record them and then I would hand them off to a team that I would pay. And the team yeah. would do all yeah. the editing and do everything. And suddenly I didn't have, you know, I didn't have cash flow coming in. So I I couldn't hire a team anymore. So I said, well, I'm just going to delve in and learn how to do it myself. So I started, and it's really funny if you watch like some of my older videos, the quality is really bad because I hadn't really learned how to use all this stuff, but I was doing it for fun. And I was doing it just to kind of keep my chops up. And then as I learned to use green screens and I, and I, but when I first started, I have, I have a home theater with 160 inch screen behind me. So what I would do is I would go to YouTube and I would find like a, a scene that I wanted behind me while I was doing these videos and I would just be playing it on YouTube behind me. And, and so once I learned, once I learned how to use green screens, I was able to get into a, get behind it. I mean, get in front of a green screen and then just put it in there. So, uh, uh, it's, it was kind of fun. Now that's that, creative that, though. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to start putting out videos and one of the things is in my, in my shows, I do clips of songs. So I don't usually mm. typically do a full length song. So I'll yeah. do, yeah. you know, a verse and a chorus and a verse and a chorus, or maybe just a chorus. And um, I'd been doing that for years and years and years, because I think people really, if you're, if you're going to go see it, especially an impressionist like myself, uh, you don't want to see, you know, uh, 15 songs, you want to see uh, 40 songs. You know, so, yes, so I learned yes. early on that the more you do, the, the more fun people are having at that show. So when I was doing that during that year, 
I did full length versions of the songs. And I got to tell you, it was so much fun. And of course yeah. I had puppets doing it. So if you go to my, like my YouTube, uh, it's youtube.com. I think it's official Terry Fader, but I think we're trying to get it to uh, Terry Fader. But just look, look for Terry Fader, my official Terry Fader YouTube site. And, um, and you'll find some of my videos that I was doing back then. And I was having so much fun because I got to do, wow. I got to do all the full length versions of the songs and I'm still doing it to this day. I'm doing, uh, in fact, this week's release is going to be Butter by BTS, which um, oh, my turtle, that's fun. Winston yeah. the Turtle, and he he thinks uh, BTS stands for uh, best turtle songs, but uh, whatever, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's like for us, you know, we launched this show January of 2020, so a couple months before COVID. And original plan was maybe 100 interviews. First year thought to be a great foundation. And then, bam, COVID happens. And I'm sitting there mm -hmm. watching everything get shut down. And I told Sandy, you know, this could be um, a, a shining star for us. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it was a silver lining. Yeah, a little silver us. lining yeah. here. And um, so we just went all out. And, and, you know, in 2020, we did over 300 interviews that one year alone. And we're over 500 now. Wow. That's, inc that's incredible. Wow. Now, granted, we learned in 2020 that five. Um, 300 was probably a little much. Yeah, so we did <laughs> 200 last Cause, year. Because yeah. just in the month of August, we did 44 interviews that one month, and and we we, we were we were double backing Whoa. some of them, and and so, but we wanted that for once we went all out. We wanted that first year to really take off. Yeah, to so, hit the ground running and, for sure. And but the second year, last year, we did about 200. So we we're like, like, okay, this is more <laughs> steady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's still a lot though. I mean, that's, that's a lot of interviews, but it's, you know, if you guys are like me, I, I love performing. So mm -hmm. typically, uh, you know, uh, very rarely I'll get two weeks off. Um, most yeah. of the time I take yeah. a week off and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being like, I, I can get away for a week. Um, but I got to tell you, mm -hmm. man, if I take two weeks, typically, I'm really Jones and man, it's like a performing for me is like a drug. You know, I don't, I don't do drugs. I don't drink much. I drink very socially, you know, I'll have a glass of wine with meal or something or a martini before a meal yeah. or something, but I don't drink very much and I don't drink it for the buzz. I drink it for the, uh, for the meal. And, and, yeah. um, yeah. and, but performing for me is like, that's, that's, that's my, that's my drug. And, and so, you know, after typically after about a week, I'm just like, Ugh. You know, my wife will tell you, I'm just like, I almost get the shakes. You know, I'm just like, I got to get on stage. I got to get on stage. And um, luckily we had, we took the first two weeks of January off this year. And luckily I didn't get there. Now, unfortunately I didn't get there because I caught COVID the first oh, week. Wow. And oh, my wife man. and I both got, both got Omicron and we were laid up for about a week and a half before I had to go back on stage. And so, uh, so I did not miss it. And I told her, I said, well, the one good thing about, you know, getting, getting out sick the way. is that I, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I was shaking because I was sick. I wasn't shaking because I wanted to get on stage. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that's like for us with the show, you know, there, you know, there are times where we don't have anybody booked for a few days and, and I'll get frustrated and sitting there like Sandy's like, go book somebody. You know? yes, yes, <laughs> and, and, like that and that's like, much. you know, we, we go to Nashville quite a bit because mm -hmm. we're eventually going to move there. And um, every time we go there, sometimes we tie it into Kentucky because her mom lives in Kentucky. So we'll spend a week in Nashville and then a week in Kentucky. So like you said, it's like my time. We, yeah, so like we, we take those two weeks off and it's like, mm -hmm. whoa, you know, I'm uh, ready for a show there. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know how it feels then. It's so it's yeah, it's so great. When to, and 
just that feeling of knowing that you're you're inter interacting and connecting. And of course, um, what I do, I, I prefer doing what I do in that I'm right in front of an audience and I get to I get to get yeah. that feedback. And it's it's really interesting, even if I'm if ever I'm not feeling well or I'm uh -huh. tired. Whatever you know, I that energy from the audience, I can actually, I can actually suck that in and use that energy to to bolster me when I'm not feeling well, and uh, I, I'm not alone in that. I think that's very typical for entertainers. I'm I'm not a person. Listen, if I'm going to cancel a show, I'm in the hospital. I'm not kidding. I'm that's how it has I mean, to be really serious for I mean, me to cancel a show way. because yeah, yeah. There's so many times where I'm like, I'm just not feeling it today at all, but we got a show booked. We get on there. And I'm like just hoping that the guest is feeling yes, it, and then I can energy. feel. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Because you know, because some every now and then you get a guest to where it's tough to pull anything out of them. And mm -hmm. if I'm feeling bad that day, it makes it really tough. I did. I did this one thing where um, I've always been proud of. You know, I have this vaudevillian, and I know a lot of the audience may not even know what the heck vaudeville is. You should look it up; it's amazing. It's a it's a group of entertainers that used to travel. They were they would travel all over the United okay. States. And, and they would get on trains and they would go from stop to stop to stop and they would go all over to the small town. So it was like bringing uh, this incredible entertainment and it was all sorts of entertainers. It was, you know, jugglers and comedians and, uh, and yeah. ventriloquists and singers and dancers. And it was really interesting. But they, they were the kind that would literally, in many cases, work themselves to death. I mean, it was like wow. that's where the show must go on. Um, was started was was with vaudeville was people huh. saying it doesn't matter how you feel you know houdini had that attitude and it ended up killing him because he he had uh ruptured i believe a ruptured spleen and mm. uh, he refused mm. to stop performing so it's that kind of mentality wow. Oh, wow. And I've always been really proud of having that kind of the show must go on. And so I went on Larry King. This was right after America's Got Talent. And I bragged and I said, um, <laughs> I said, I never cancel shows. I absolutely will not cancel shows. And that Friday, I was literally so sick. I could not get out of bed and I had to cancel the show. Now, we had taped this on a Monday when I was not performing. And so people watched this on that or maybe it was Saturday. And on that Saturday night, they watched me say I never miss shows. And I had to cancel the show that night. So I felt like I was kind of like the Titanic tempting God, you know, to say, you know, I never cancel shows. And God's like, oh, really? Uh, we'll see how we'll see if that's true. Um, mm, and so, wow. so, but you know, I don't, I don't tempt fate. I don't say I never cancel shows. Look, if I'm too sick to get on, if I'm too sick to get out of bed, I, I, I can't do a show, but I'm, I can exactly. guarantee exactly. you that I'm going to have to be yes. really, if I cancel a show from health, it, you, you, the audience needs to know I am absolutely really, really sick. I don't cancel shows lightly at all. Yeah. Ever. Right. Love that. Now, um, when, you know, a lot of people would ask, when did you, um, want to do entertainment? But I like to go deeper than that. When did it click doing what you do could be a career for you? Was it AGT or was it before that? Oh Lord, no. It was when I was a kid. In fact, I actually have a newspaper article that I did when I was 10 years old oh, wow. for the Dallas, I think it was the Dallas Morning News. It could have been the Time Herald, but I think there was two. Now there's only the Dallas Morning News. The Times Herald went out of business mm -hmm. in my teens. But I didn't, I think it was the Dallas Morning News. And they had interviewed me because I had started doing some ventriloquism shows uh, at 10 huh. years old. And they said, what do you want to do for a living? And I said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to be rich and famous. So apparently I, that's what... <laughs> That's what I wanted. But I, I, you know, from the time I was three, my very first memory, I, I, my very first memory, I was two or three years old and I was standing on a table in front of a bunch of adults at our church. We were in the cafeteria of our church mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and I was standing there singing a song and I'll never forget the, the, the happy looks, the laughing, the clapping. And, and that really made an indelible mark on my, on my uh, psyche. 
I thought, oh, wow. I like this. This is this is what I want to do. And so there was never, ever a time when I ever wanted to be anything but an entertainer. In fact, um, when I went to college, I only went to one year of college. Uh, I did get an honorary degree from uh, Navarro College in Corsicana, Texas, though. Oh, wow. Uh, for, awesome. the, I, for the arts. Because um, they're very proud of me. I was uh, That's where I grew up was in Corsicana, Texas. But uh, yeah. I went to one year and, and I majored in drama and I and I minored in television radio. So, oh, wow. you know, it was oh, just wow. never there was never, ever in my in my head. There was never a, any other choice. Never a different option. Mm -mm. Never. <laughs> you know, I love that. And I love what you said about the being 10, about the story of, of how you were just sold, because we have a story. We got a 10 year old. He was nine then. Um, but and you'll hear from him later because we oh, bring yes, him we on to ask a few questions. Mm -hmm. But when he was nine, our very first trip to Nashville, um, we were in Nashville. We were is that evening. We were our very first night. We're walking down almost to Broadway and we were in front of Honky Tonk Central. And this person on a dr drum thing seeing little Chris and told somebody to give him this drumstick. And don't know why he did that. Why well, all the kids standing intently was, watching and, the music and so he loves music. He was but. given this drumstick. Mm -hmm. Thought that was pretty cool. Didn't realize what was about to happen. So we walk across the street and we're in front of Dirk Bentley Row. And we're watching the music there. And he's just shaking his head with this drumstick. And the singer on the stage you. there. She was um she looked back and she saw him have a drumstick. So she gets down and says, Would you like to play the dr drums with us for one song? And, and so like, she yeah. pulls him through the thing, gets him on Literally stage, and he gets to hit the drums window. for the summer of 69 song. The whole song. The whole song. Oh. And the crowd was and, like cheering. And that was for his first experience in Nashville. Yeah. That's amazing. And you know, it's those. I, I saw an interview with a with a psychologist mm. and this this person was saying that there is usually in almost every big entertainer. I mean, we're talking Mariah Carey, Michael Jackson, Frank Sinatra, um, you know, Elvis Presley, all the greats where there's one indelible moment that imprinted on the soul oh, of wow. an entertainer uh -huh. that yes. was the key reason why they became an entertainer and that drumstick could very well lead to a, a career in entertainment. You know, you never know. It's, it's, the, it's and my moment. My moment was standing there singing on that, um, on that table in front of those, those people. And I loved to watch people laugh. I love to make people laugh. I was always, um, I was, I was voted class clown literally every single year of my school. <laughs> I, because, you know, I was yeah. a kid, I was never a bad kid. I was a cut up. And of course, once yeah. I learned ventriloquism, yeah. all bets were off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I yeah. love that. Now, you know, we're talking about a lot of highlights here, a lot of positives. I like to flip the script and go the other way. You know, a lot of people, they see the glory in what you do, but they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles that it takes to get to your level and above. And I always want to talk about that because I think sometimes people, they sugarcoat this side of it. They, they, you know, people think if you got the talent, you'll make it. We both know that's not always true. So take a few moments and let's just talk about the sacrifices and struggles you've had to go through to get to where you are today? You know, that's an interesting question. I was just, um, I was just talking to my wife about, uh, it's so interesting you asked that because I think it was just last night I was having a conversation <laughs> with my wife about some of the sacrifices. And I was oh, saying wow. that, that, you know, um, there was a, there was a lot of time in my past that I was not able to pay my bills doing and as an entertainer. So I would mm -hmm. have to go and get odd jobs. And I was a, I grew up as a janitor. My parents had a janitorial business. And so me and my brother and my sister worked full time 
uh, in my parents' janitorial business. And so uh, we would clean buildings and then we then we went into house restoration. So we would paint and and um, and clean carpets and and remodel homes and, you know, do all this stuff. And so in in many of the times when I wasn't able to find work as an entertainer, I would uh, I would put out flyers and I would go and paint people's the outside and inside of people's houses at one at one point, I didn't have a place to live, and I had a very good, my, my probably dearest friend of the world, he was an adult, I was a, a, a young teenager, and, uh, and, I, and I had been kicked out of my house. My, it, that's a different story. My dad was a crazy, <laughs> he was a crazy man. Mm-hmm. If you ever disagreed with him, he kicked you out of the house. So I spent a couple of weeks, yeah. I spent a couple of weeks <laughs> with him, with my, with my very dear friend and his wife, and, uh, and I, I remodeled his, uh, his game room as, as payment for him oh, letting wow. me sleep on his couch for two weeks, you know. So that was just, these, um, you know, if, if you can't make it in, in the field that you want to make it in, like, you know, the, the passion, you've obviously got to do things and you've got to make sacrifices and you've got to um, struggle and try to find ways to pay the bills. Um, my, my advice, though, to people is, is you, can't, you can't do it for the fame. You can't do it for the, the accolades. You can't do it yeah. for what you yeah. may get in the future. You have to do it for your own for your own satisfaction. And, and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is once I kind of came to the point where I realized, you know, I'm probably never going to get rich and famous like I thought when I was 10. I mean, it ended up happening for me, but I'm saying when I, <laughs> when I turned 40, when I turned 40, oh, wow. I kind of had one of those, uh-huh I had moments. one of those moments. Yeah. Where I was like, you know what? I highly doubt a 40 year old ventriloquist is ever going to reach the limelight, you know? <laughs> so, um, so I, I just started to work on my craft for me. I wanted to yeah. be the best for me. Yeah. I wanted to be the best. And I, and I was at the time I was performing at schools and, uh, you know, elementary schools and I was doing some County fair work and I was actually enough to uh, make it enough to make, make a living and to pay my bills. And, and I, I, it was better than, you know, working as a pizza delivery guy, which is nothing wrong with being a pizza delivery guy. It's just not my passion. You know, I, I want to be an entertainer. Yeah. And so um, it, was, it was that that I really found contentment and, and satisfaction in my work when I started realizing it's not, it's not the goal that is going to make me, it's what's going to make me happy. It's, it's yeah. me. It's, the, it's inside. Happiness mm-hmm. is not, it's a journey. It's not a destination. So I stopped mm-hmm. looking and thinking, oh, one day I'm going to be rich and famous. And I started really um, reveling in the excitement and fun of the fact that I got to do what I love to do every single day and get a paycheck for it. Wow. So, um, so and, then, and then all of a sudden, America's Got Talent came along out of nowhere and kaboom, everything happened uh, the way now, I'd always dreamed. What made you go but, out for that? Well, it was interesting. I, um, I'd had a lot of people ask me and I watched the very first season of it. And it was, it was uh, intriguing to me, but I, I don't think I would have. But um, when I was doing that very first year in 2006, when, when the first season of America's Got Talent, I was performing at county fairs all over the country. I mean, I was going from Washington all the way across to New York, to Pennsylvania. Then I would go down to uh, Arizona. And I, so I was playing all these fairs all over the country. And people were watching me at these fairs. And at the time I had finally discovered that I could do impressions and ventriloquism. So I had rewritten my show so that every single puppet did an impression of a singer and people were just enthralled by this. They were fascinated by this. And unbeknownst to me, people were actually emailing and calling NBC and saying, we saw this ventriloquist at this fair. You have to get him on America's Got Talent. So they actually called me and said, we are getting so many emails and so many phone calls about you would you wow. audition 
And I said, well, you know, here's my schedule. And they said, you know what? You're going to be in L.A. when we're doing auditions at the L.A. Convention oh, Center. Wow. I was from Texas. And, uh, and I said, they said, would you like to come out after your, you know, your show in, in L.A.? And I said, sure. I was doing an elementary school there. And so I finished oh, about yeah. 3 o'clock. I packed my puppets up, went over to the L.A. Convention Center, did my audition. And, wow, the rest is history. Wow, that's so, amazing. So in the process of AGT, when was there a moment when you thought to yourself, wow, this could happen? No. <laughs> in, a, in a short answer, no. I, I honestly did not give myself even a shred of chance. I thought I had about as much chance of winning the Powerball lottery that, as I did of winning America's Got Talent. But that was never my plan. Yeah. Um, my plan yeah, was plan to go was to in because I was, yes, I was already making a decent living playing fairs and, and schools. And so my plan was to go in there, do as many good performances as I can, get kicked off like almost every other person on the show. And then I was going to put together a really good uh, promo video that I could send out to schools and fairs and possibly right. raise even maybe double my price, you know? And at the time oh, wow. I wasn't making a bad living. I was making about you know, in some places I was making about $1,500 a day, which is a lot of money. Now I had to pay, pay all my own expenses. So I had to yeah. get all my hotel yeah. room and I pay my flights and my rental cars and all that. But it was a decent living and I was paying all my bills and I was, I was really uh, having a wonderful life. I was working my butt off. I was working about 11 months uh, out of the year. Um, I mean, on the road, I was on the road for, yeah. away from home about 11 months on, in the year, but I was having a great time. So I was just thinking, you know, this is going to make it easier for me to book myself. So, so the yeah. goal was never to win it. Um, and then even, even to that final episode, I was 100% convinced that the other, that the, the other guy, Cass Haley was going to win it because he had wow. so much more activity on social media than I did. You know, he had yeah. way more yeah. than me. I mean, I had, I had something like 10 million views of my, of my opening and he had like a hundred million views on, oh, wow. on YouTube. Oh wow. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, this is a, this is a bag for him. There's no way. But I, but again, I, I it didn't, I was not going to be crushed. I was super happy with what yeah, I had done. Exactly. And then no one was more stunned when they said my name. I was completely gobsmacked when they said my name. I did not think I would win it, but so I was really glad you, I did. So after yeah. you won and you got your Vegas show, how was that for that year? I mean, what, what what was going through your mind as you you know you're you're here it is you're on stage doing what you love to do and you're getting paid to do it. Well, that was a goal that I had set for myself back in like 1987. Uh, have you heard of Danny Gans? Do you know who that is? I'm not he was sure. a he was a huge entertainer in Las Vegas for about. Oh, maybe 20 years. He was, oh, he wow. was at the, he started, he started at the, I think he started the stratosphere and then he went to move to the Rio and then he moved to the Mirage. And I think he was at the mm -hmm. Mirage for like 18 years. Oh, and, wow. um, you know, he really was a, a, he was, um, quite amazing. So, um, he was, he was, I saw that he had signed a multi-million dollar deal in Vegas in 1987. I, I read it in the USA today. I was on the road somewhere with my band. Uh, um, I had a band for about 15 years named Texas, the band. <laughs> And um, mm -hmm. I was the lead singer. In fact, you can look look us up on YouTube. It's hilarious. I had long hair and I wore goofy outfits. And, <laughs> you know, we were we were a hair band. I, I had the yeah. I had a world class mullet. And uh, so so anyway, I read in this in this article that Danny Gans had just signed a multi million dollar deal at the Mirage. And boy, mm -hmm. that that got me. And I said, I want to be a Vegas headliner one day because wow. uh, the dream is that. to be able to have uh, have your own place to play. You go yeah. in, you do your show, and you go home More and you sleep in your own bed. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So it just sounded like such an incredible dream to me to be able to do that. So that became my goal. And um, I was hoping that my appearance on America's Got Talent would eventually allow me to kind of worm my way in and work <laughs> my way up into Vegas. And the funny thing is, literally two months before I did my very first appearance, and I mean, mm -hmm. it was two months, mm -hmm. my very first appearance on America's Got Talent, I auditioned for a little variety show over at Planet Hollywood <laughs> and was was completely shut down and turned down. And they said, no, well, Vegas uh, <laughs> ventriloquism has never worked in Vegas. And so, no, oh, no. It's, they flat out turned me down to, to be a part of this variety show. And then two months later, I win America's Got Talent, or I get on America's Got Talent. A couple months after that, I win it. And then I become uh, one of the top headliners in Vegas. And I've been there now for 15 years as one of the uh, one of the top headliners in Vegas. And so, you that know, it's, it's like that um, movie wow. Pretty Woman. When she goes back to mm -hmm. the store, says, you work on commissions? Oh, yeah. yes, I love that Big scene. mistake. Big, Big mistake. Huge. And I actually, <laughs> I actually had that person come to my show at the Mirage um, when I was there. I'm at New York, New York now, but I was at the Mirage for mm -hmm. 11 years. And, um, and that person came and said, boy, did I make a mistake. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. I, and, and it's not that, you know, again, it's not that you want to rub stuff in people's face, but don't it feel good? When people mm. don't believe in you, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep doing yeah, this. Keep I have going. this belief. I have so I have something, and I know I have something. And then all of a sudden, the doors open. Well, it was the story of my life because my father was incredibly uh, critical and never ever gave me any kind of positive wow. feedback. It was always negative, always negative. He was always telling me I wasn't talented. He was always telling me I wasn't going to make it. Oh, he was wow. always telling me I wasn't capable. And so uh, that's just what I fought against. And then, of course, I chose ventriloquism as a career. And, you know, people had such a negative view of ventriloquists. And I'm, I'm incredibly proud to be one of the ones. And I'm certainly not the one, but there's been many of us. Myself, Jeff Dunham, Darcy Lynn, Paul yeah, Durden. I was going to bring uh, up Jay, Darcy. Jay what do you Johnson? think about Darcy? Oh, she's when great. She she's a dear friend. She's a dear friend. I worked with her uh, the whole season of America's Got Talent. I had a ball with yeah. her. I felt like a proud, wow. a proud parent. Um, my wife and I cried. We were there that night because I performed with her when she won. Wow. But, you know, um, I'm just really proud to be in that in that um, group of ventriloquists that have that have kind of revived. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, we had uh, we had people like Sh uh, Sherry Lewis and we had um, oh, yes. uh, Willie Tyler, mm -hmm. Willie Tyler and Lester. Mm -hmm. We had Jay Johnson, one of the greatest ventriloquists of all time, Ron Lucas. And then um, and then, of course, Jeff Dunham came along and myself and. And, you know, I think we've really, really changed the perception of ventriloquists that it's not just a uh, it's not just kid stuff anymore. It's, you yeah, know, it's absolutely. something that can entertain yeah. the entire family. And myself, yeah. I'm the only only ventriloquist in history to have a night nighttime headlining show on the strip in Las Vegas for more than a decade. And I tell you, I'm, wow. I'm very, very proud wow. of that. So I, I've absolutely proven that ventriloquism is a valid a form of entertainment for uh, an, an audience uh, that are not just little kids. So as I'm long as you're good, as long as you're good. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I tell people. I'm like, you know what, if you're good and you really work hard and you know, and, and you uh, make sure your material is quality um, and you're, you're putting out world-class talent, you're going to find an audience and people are going to appreciate what you do. So that's love, absolutely true. Love that. And I love that because I remember when we first, when we first started this show, I reached out to a friend of mine from Nashville and I asked him what advice he'd give us um, as we launch. And he says, whatever you do, 
be and stay authentic. He says, you could tell every Bobby Bones joke. You can tell every high Bentley jokes. He knew I looked up to those two. He says, and he said, you might create an audience doing that. He says, but the day will come when authentic Chris comes out. And when that mm-hmm. day comes, you're going to lose your audience because they were never attracted to authentic Chris. He says, you might grow slower, but you'll grow mm. with the right audience if you just stay authentic. That's true. And that's that's absolutely true of uh, my my entire uh, season of America's Got Talent. You know, I, I when I was on America's Got Talent, um, I, I was noticing that everyone else was trying to portray a character or trying to be someone that they weren't. And, uh, yeah. you know, cause I got to know a lot of the people and a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. And I, and I went in there saying, you know what, this is me. I, I'm going to be who I am. And if you mm-hmm. like me, um, great. And if you don't, great, I'm fine with it. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to try to have a persona or a character. I'm just going to be Terry. Yeah. And, and really, uh, Johnny Carson, I saw an interview with Johnny Carson and he talked about that. He said <laughs> that, um, there are some people that have a likability factor and an it factor and and the ones who are faking it are the ones who are going to come and go and the ones mm-hmm. who uh-huh. are genuine and have that it factor are the ones that have longevity and that people are going to follow just like you just said you know you're absolutely right the the authentic they want to see the authentic you and and make a connection with you so yeah, because even with our show, you know, I remember um, I had on, and, and and of course I've learned to tone the show down. When we first launched, we were doing ninety minute interviews because oh, I yes. I couldn't, oh. you know, I couldn't rein, couldn't in, rein talking, in my yeah. talking. As you can tell, I love to talk. Yeah, but I, but it was way worse. It's like and, then he, did, he talked too much, and I didn't talk enough. We yeah, tried to, and, and, but, but but I remember we interviewed um, Jeff Coffee. Who used to be in Chicago? Oh yes, he was and, the lead of Chicago and, for a um, couple of years. And I went back to his Facebook page after he shared it, and I seen somebody make a comment, and I remember them saying, "I love the interview, but that uh, that the host is windy." And I was yeah. like, I, I told Sandy, what does that even mean? I was like, it must mean long-winded. I mean, and, and then I and then I thought about yes. I thought about what my friend to, advice told me. I was like, you know what? This is me. I get it. I'm okay with that. That's actually a compliment, Dan. Yeah. yeah but I have learned to tone it down some. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all do. I mean, that's part of growing as an entertainer, you know, and when you're in this world, you um, you just have to learn, you know, you have to learn to adjust uh, to different things. It's like, you, you know, depending on what kind of an audience I'm, I'm performing for, uh, you know, my show in Vegas is going to be a little bit more on the risque side. It's never dirty. Mm-hmm. But I tap dance on the line. But if I'm going to yeah. be performing yeah. where I know I've got a lot of where I've got mm-hmm. a lot of church people and stuff, I'm going to be squeaky clean, you know. So it's really just yeah. you have to le- you have to play to your audience. You have to learn what your audience needs and wants. And- exactly. Mm-hmm. Love that. Now, as you know, a lot of people they see the entertainers like yourself, but they don't see the teams behind them. And in our opinion, teams never get any love. On our show, they get love. So take a few moments to tell us about the team that helps you be who you are. Um, you mean the team that, that, that yeah, I'm working team, with? Yeah. You know, I, I, my main thing is my, my main thing is that, that, uh, my wife, she's, she's so incredibly important to me. Um, I, I never really felt, you know, I, I, I had two divorces. Uh, a lot of people know this. If you just look at my Wikipedia, you'll see, I've had two marriages that, um, uh, that, and that's, that's tough to go through, you know, a person yeah. like myself, especially yeah. who is a strong Christian, 
who um, who feel, feels that divorce is the only only a last option. It's it was yeah. tough. Yeah. And then God then God brought this incredible woman into my life. So she's by far far and away the one the most important person to have that to have somebody that believes in me and that makes me feel loved unconditionally, which I've never had, not even from my own parents did I fi- feel oh, wow. unconditional love. <laughs> um, and so to have that is huge. It it helps a lot with my with my sense of uh, with my sense of self, my self confidence, um, and also I have a writing team of of joke writers. Um, my main, the head writer of my team is uh, John Max, who is absolutely the probably the top writer on the planet. The guy he's yeah. written, you know, he wrote all the Oscars that uh, that. Um, uh, Billy Crystal hosted. He wrote the oh, Oscars wow. that Steve Martin hosted. He's mm-hmm. he writes you know he writes all the award shows. He's written countless. I mean if you if you just uh, IMDb John Max you'll see and he's the, he's my head writer. And then I have wow. uh, you know uh, have Kevin Sheeney and Michelle Shelton who also do some writing. And so we get together and we have this really strong writing team that understand the voice of the puppets and the characters. And we have a lot of fun. We'll go, and we actually like to do uh, writing sessions at Disneyland. So. Uh, I'll have them all meet me at Disneyland and we go in. Yeah, yeah we go in and have dinner um, somewhere. And then we, so, and we'll be going and standing in line uh, to go on rides and we're writing material. And it's really, <laughs> really fun. So it's a very creative atmosphere. And then I've got uh, got a couple of people that work with me, my production manager, Randy, and then my uh, my personal assistant, Marina, who does much more than just a personal assistant. And, um, you know, we have a really good uh, camaraderie uh, with us. And and one of the one of the wonderful things, and it's certainly not a prerequisite for me, but as a as a person who follows Christ and a very strong Christian, mm-hmm. um, it's mm-hmm. wonderful that Randy and Marina and and. Um, Angie and myself are all strong Christians. So before wow, every yeah. single show, we we get together in a circle and we pray that uh, that the Holy Spirit will move through me uh, to the people and that, that uh, the Lord will use me through my performance. And we do that before every single performance. And so um, wow. I just feel like God uses me to to till the hearts of people out there to make yeah. them more yeah. receptive to God's message. I may not be giving them God's message during, in my performance, but uh, I think God uses my, my performance to, to get their hearts softened and ready to hear his message from another source. So I love that perspective because even with our show, you're, there are many times before the show, hour or two, I'll say a little small prayer beforehand because mm-hmm. I, you know, I want, you know, I know you, because we're a live show, I don't edit or anything. I don't know where the show's going to go. Some, yeah. so, you know, there are, there are sometimes it go, goes way off the deep end and I have to kind of um, reel it back in. I'm like, okay, let's get it back over here, you know, yeah. and, but yeah, I never know where but it's going to go. It fun but too, it, yeah. and, and so I have to pray that, you know what, for God to lead the show, mm-hmm. to touch the people that's going to watch it and even touch exactly. us and the guests, you know, because I exactly. want and this- a show that touches people. That's right. And God uses everyone in different ways. And so my dad wanted me to be a, a preacher a minister and an evangelist. And, and, and kind of I are. never felt I, well, I am, I didn't, I didn't feel that calling to be a minister in the way he wanted. I feel like yeah. I'm an evangelist of God's joy. And that's where, you know, God wanted me to spread joy and happiness. And, and he wanted to use me and my talent to bring a, bring some, uh, a little relief from people's suffering. And, and I can't tell you the countless emails, letters, um, messages, you know, uh, on, on social wow. media where people say, you know, um, you got me through my, my mother's death, my father's death, mm-hmm. my, my wife or my husband, my, you know, I went through cancer and I watched your videos and, it, and, 
And you know, that, that is so incredibly important to be in a position. And now don't get me wrong. I don't have an inflated sense of ego where I think I'm super important. You know, there are much <laughs> more important jobs than what I do, but, yeah. but I got to yeah. tell you, it is, it is important to be one of the ones who is helping to alleviate people's suffering. And, you know, I'm, I'm a doctor of the really heart important because we're in a tough time right now. Oh, with COVID so on it. And right, right now, now yes. people need that laughter, that joy, because when you look at, you know, 50, 60 percent of marriages fail out there. Yeah. You know, and you look at there's no a lot of times they, you know, people lose their passion they're losing their joy. And, and I believe now, granted, I believe that people don't spend enough time together. But even that aside, when people lose that passion, I think they don't laugh anymore together. No. Yeah. It's tough. It's really, yeah. really tough. So, so, you know, that's, God's put me in that position where, uh, my job in my entire existence as, as an entertainer wow. is to lighten people's load and to make people feel a sense of happiness and a sense of joy. If, if only for a moment, but I think that God can use that to, to get them into a position to maybe hear a message that he wants to send their way. And, you know, yeah. if you're if you're yes. in a if you're in a grieving process, it could be hard to hear that message. And and if, if God sends them to my show and they go out with a lighter heart, then maybe they'll see something or read something or something will come across that God wants them and their heart will be more receptive to that. That's just how I feel. And I, yeah. I you're this just is, this is, that scene. Exactly. And I and I feel this way through, uh, because of a, an, a, an, a huge amount of prayer. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very I'm not just a speaking Christian. I, I am. I get up every single morning and I get on my knees, literally get on my knees and I pray and I and I study the scriptures and I ask God um, lead me in this day and, and help me to be a better person and help me to make this world a better place. So I'm not just one of those that says, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, I go to church. You know, I know I really yeah. it's, it's it's very real to me. It's very personal and real to me, my faith in Christ. And, um, and, uh, and I just, and I don't necessarily feel I have to go and, and in your face, tell you about it, but exactly. I just, I just want to do it through my, through my actions and through, and through, you know, and it's so interesting because so many, a lot of people will come up after my show and I don't ever mention God at all. And they'll say, are you a believer? And I'm like, I absolutely am. And they said, I could tell, I could just tell from, you know, your countenance. And so I love yeah. that. I love when people can see that from my, yeah, you know, but I also love telling it, you know, I love to say it. So like, if I'm doing a question and answer and occasionally on my shows, I'll do a question and answer. And somebody will say, will say something. What's the most important thing in your life? And I'll say, Jesus Christ, hundred percent is the most important thing in my life and, and always will be. So I'm very proud of it and I love it, but you know, I don't, I don't push it on people at all. So. And you don't have to, because I love what you said. You're really just the seed because I think sometimes people feel like if you're talking to someone, you have to, you have to be the one that changes them. But no, you're, you, if you allow God to use you to just to be the seed, if you're okay with just being the seed, God will lead the right people to them. It may not be you, but, but your seed will help right. fertilize that. Yeah, started the it could be a billboard. You know, it, it could, you know, you see these billboards where there's a scripture verse or something. It could be literally anything. God can use anything. Yes. And, and he doesn't call all of us to be the same thing. He calls yep, us each exactly. to be, you know, and Paul even talked about it in, in uh, the scriptures. He talked about the fact that, you know, there are several parts of the body and, and we're all parts mm -hmm. of the body of Christ. And therefore he will use us in, in whatever way. Some of us will be the mouthpiece to give the gospel. Others of us will be the one who, who plants the seed and then someone else will till the till the soil and then another person will water it. And then hopefully it'll grow into, into something that'll really be a life-changing event for people. And see, we get the story yes. out. 
<laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, Jesus always talked in parables and stories. You know what? I love the story. That's why I launched the show, because I love to get up close and personal. That's why our tagline is up close and personal, because I love people's stories. That's just what I love to do. I love to hear stories. You know, we've had people that are Christians on, people that are not Christians on, you know, people that do stuff that m most Christians would be like, oh, no, you know, but you know what? I don't care. I want the story. The story is what matters to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That's that's exactly right. You know, and uh, I, I read a book and um, I can't remember what book it was. I think it was a book called uh, The Problem of God, which is a, mm -hmm. which actually sounds like a negative book, but it's not. It's a problem <laughs> yeah. people have. It's, it's about yeah. the problems people have mm -hmm. with believing in God. A perception. I think that's the book. It could have been the problem of, of Jesus. It could have been. But he wrote two books um, and his name is Mark something. I can't for some reason is his, his, his name. But uh, they're great books. The Problem of Jesus and the Problem of God. And in it, he says, if uh, people ask me, what do you think Jesus would do uh, if he was, if, what would his profession be? He was a carpenter back then. And this person said, I believe he would be a movie maker because he was, he, oh, his whole life was telling yes. stories. Mm -hmm. And, and so yes. I thought, I thought, well, that's a very, that's an interesting thing because he would want to be telling stories that get into people's hearts and get his message across, you know? And exactly. so, so that's a really interesting, he'd be a filmmaker. And I thought, well, you know, who knows what he would be, but, but that's a, that's an interesting theory. For that's sure. a good logical that's conclusion. An interesting take on that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you, 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 I can definitely see that. Um, mm -hmm. And speaking of teams and all that, we have a third co-host, our little 10 year old that we yes, allow to come on and ask a few questions. So Sandy's going to go kidding. get him now. And we've got an, <laughs> and we've got an almost three year old that when she gets older, she'll be plugging the show too. Cause we are a family oh, affairs nice. show. See, that's wonderful. I love that. I love and, families. And you know, exactly. We know when we first started the show, that was another thing is I want to do something that honored God, honored family. And I'm not saying, you know, again, we don't, we, we don't always have PG people on the show and I'm okay with that because that's, that's not our, our show is not a Christian based show. It's just a Christian run show. Like I try to tell. Yeah. Me. Well, you know, that's the thing is that there are a lot of people in a lot of different professions. There are, there are, um, Christian doctors and there are Christian mm -hmm. lawyers and I'm a Christian entertainer. I'm not an entertainer to Christians. I'm an entertainer yeah. who is a Christian. Yeah, and, exactly. um, and so if you come to my show in Vegas, there might be, there might be a lot of things that you would say, Oh my gosh, I can't believe he just said that. You know, I don't ever say anything outright dirty. Uh, anything yeah. I do that's, that's more adult in that way is more of a double entendre. And I, like I said, I tap dance on the line, but again, um, I don't have a problem with that because my job is to till the hearts and to make people feel joy and yeah. happiness. And again, I would never do that. If I was performing at a church, I would certainly not do that, but I'm, I'm a Las Vegas entertainer. People come here that, you know, it's, you know, the adult Disneyland here. So, so I don't have a problem doing something that might be a little bit over what, you know, the squeaky yeah. clean something somebody might doing if I was performing at a church. So, you know, it's, just, but it's all, there you are. Hello there. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Terry. So what's the fair food? What's that? I said, what's the fair food? What's it? Well, I, I don't understand the Your question. Favorite I'm sorry. Food. Well, favorite my favorite food. food. Okay. Okay. I see it. My favorite food. Um, my favorite food is chicken pot pie. <laughs> my wife, my wife, Angie makes the best chicken pot pie in the world. And you know, she does it different than anybody else. So she makes it from scratch. Like if she doesn't buy the, buy, you know, like a, a crust, she actually rolls the crust out, makes it and bakes it. And then she makes mashed potatoes and puts, oh, wow. she makes a mountain of mashed potatoes and then she scoops the uh, chicken pot pie right on top of it. And I'm telling you, ah. it's the best thing in the world. So she always makes wow. it for me on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours? Mine is pizza. Pizza. Oh man. Well, who doesn't love pizza, right? 
<laughs> What's your favorite kind of pizza, though? See, a pepperoni, sausage, and supreme, and pineapple. He's got like four different faves. Oh, where are you guys based out of? Where are you where are you located? We're located in Savannah, Georgia, but planning on moving end of the year to Nashville. Okay, that's right. You said Nashville. Well, he, we have a place here. Um, it's called uh, Grimaldi's Pizza, and they have a thing called the Dawn. It's my favorite pizza. It's got oh, wow. like meatballs. They take meatballs and they slice them, and then they put pepperoni mm. and they put other kinds of meat and sausages. Mm. And oh my gosh, it's such good pizza! <laughs> wow. All right. Okay, so, what so what's you got? Um, uh, I mean, what's your favorite TV show? <laughs> oh, favorite TV show is Everybody Loves Raymond. Ah, that's a good um, it, one. it is it is um it is a, a show that that stands up to the test of time uh i mean i like a lot of tv shows and and we, um, my wife and i don't watch a lot of modern stuff mainly because uh, you know i'm i'm working so much and so we'll we'll stick on everybody loves raymond as we're going to sleep and we've seen every episode but one thing you'll <laughs> notice about everybody loves raymond is there's not a lot of jokes in it the humor is very character and, and situational driven so um, almost true. all the humor comes out of the actual characters which is my favorite type which is exactly like my show if you come to my my ventriloquism show yes. my each character is completely separate and different and and all the humor comes out of the character, not jokes that I'm telling. So, yeah. uh, which is my, my favorite kind of humor. So, what's your favorite That's TV cool. show? Mine is SpongeBob. Oh, yeah. Well, SpongeBob is amazing. <laughs> That's crazy how long they've been around and still making new ones. Ain't it the truth? It's incredible. Yeah. But it's just, when, again, if it's quality and funny, and it is, it's funny and quality and that's something that uh, people of any age can enjoy, which is, you know, just like my show. My show is something all ages love. So yeah, exactly. uh, it's very hard to do that, but it's a lot of fun. So he's got one more question. All right. So what's okay. your favorite movie? Favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life uh, with wow. Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed and uh, and uh, Lionel Barrymore. It is I, I watch that movie probably two to three times every single year. Um, I absolutely love it. It is, I think the message in it, uh, I have to constantly remind myself that, um, that we're making more of an effect than we realize without even knowing it. Um, we affect every person we come across yeah. and whether we affect them in a, in a positive or a negative way is our decision. And so that movie kind of reminds me that everything that I do and say in throughout my day and throughout my life is going to affect others in ways that I can't possibly possibly no yeah. and so um Ripple so I, I just yeah i just need to be reminded <laughs> of that and i love that that you know we it's it's really not about and you know just like george bailey in it we may not accomplish what we dreamed of but if we affect the world in a positive way and when we leave the world and we and we uh, go to the next life uh, whatever that's going to be um then if we can say that we left the world in a better place and, and left people and made a, a positive impact on other people, uh, we had a successful life. So exactly. regardless of where we are and what we accomplish. Yeah. What's yours? Mine is Minions movie. <laughs> That's a good movie, actually. That's a fun yeah. movie. They built a strong brand, I tell you. They sure have. Yeah. Oh, I love I love animated movies and um you know, my wife and I just watched what's that Encanto or something? The one that you know we watch all the ones on Disney Plus and uh, mm. and you know we watch. I love I love anything Pixar. We love all yeah. the Pixar movies. You know, Up and Ratatouille and and Toy Story and so. But I like everything. I love Marvel movies too. 
and uh, it's always fun. But lately, my wife and I have been watching the Waltons. Uh, if you haven't watched the Waltons, you need to watch the Waltons. It's quite amazing. It's really, oh, really incredible. Yeah. Oh, they are. They're good. Yes. Nice to see strong families, you know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Bye, thanks. <laughs> Bye. That was great. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I see your <laughs> minion shirt. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He's been on almost every episode and he, yeah. he loves it and all that. And, you know, oh, I love he's, it. He's, you know, and he's wanting to eventually start his own podcast. So we told him maybe summer yeah. to the end of the year, we'll create something for him. So we're kind of training him a little bit here. Yeah. You know, get him ready. Nice. Get him ready for that. Nice. Well, those were interesting so questions. I don't know if I've <laughs> ever been asked those. I don't know if I've ever been asked those questions before. So that's, that was kind of fun. Awesome. So I liked it. So- so what are some sources of inspiration for you? You know, um, I, I find sources of inf- inspiration from every every different venue. I mean, I I, I, tr- I read three to four books a week. I love oh, to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I read fiction. Some Most of the time I read nonfiction. I love to read books on apologetics. I love to read mm-hmm. Lee Strobel and I love to le- read William yeah. Lane Craig yeah. and um, and I love to, you know, um, I love to read books, but I, but I also just love to read biographies. Um, so I love that. I, I like to get inspiration from movies. Uh, I get inspiration from television shows. I get inspiration from music. Um, I, I really just try to try to let every, anything and everything be an inspiration. One thing I do not do is I do not watch the news and I do not, um, get into politics at all ever because it's a, it's a losing yeah. game regardless of what side it's kind of like, um, I enjoy sports. I enjoy sports. But, um, if you, if you live and die by your, whatever sports team it is, you are definitely going to be disappointed most of the time because there's no way that you can win all the time. You can't. And it's the same thing with right. politics. You know, if you're a Democrat, you're going to be super happy when the Democrats win and, and you're going to be depressed when the Republicans, if you're a Republican, you're going to be super happy when the Republicans are in power and you're going to be super depressed when the, so it's like, I don't even get involved. I, my, my happiness, my joy comes from my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with those around me. Uh, and and the the way I affect uh, other human beings that I that I interact with, um, and so mm-hmm. that's really that's really what it's all about. You can't. Yeah. I don't watch the news because the news all the news wants. God is, said, is love him this. and love others. That's right. That's right. Love the that's Lord your that. God with all your heart and all so you know all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. The two commandments. You do that. You do those two. You're going to be fine. Yes, you'll have a great life then. Now, what would you like your legacy to be in the entertainment industry? What would you like to be most known and remembered for? Uh, being kind and and being someone that was an inspiration. You know, I feel like that that we live on um, not through um, through great movies and and uh, entertainment. We live on mm-hmm. through who we inspire to yeah. to be mm-hmm. the next generation. So, uh, knowing that that you know Darcy Lynn. Who is young? She's you know she's uh, in her late teens, and knowing that Darcy Lynn was inspired by watching me, and that she is going to become you know a, a superstar and is a superstar, and will inspire yeah. another generation. So in a, in a in an, uh, another way, I'm inspiring the generation that Darcy Lynn inspires by yep. because yeah. I inspired her. So that that's the legacy is you want to. Um, you want to inspire people by what you do and inspire the next generation. And in that way, you're in a sense, you're immortal on this planet. We're all immortal because we have immortal souls. So we're all going to go to the next life um, in some way or fashion. And, and uh, but I really do want my uh, my legacy to be that I was kind and I was generous and I was um, and people re- remember me as a good man, you know, yes. and a good husband and yes. a good and a good friend. 
Mm -hmm. And if you could say anything to your fans and followers, <coughs> what would you want to tell them? I just want them to know how much I appreciate them, how wonderful it is. You know, without the fans, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have be able to perform uh, at venues around the country, and I wouldn't have had a successful show in Vegas for you know 13 years. I would have um, it it would have been 14. Actually, it's now coming up 15, 15 years. <laughs> and, uh, wow, it's just so it's just so quick. It's it's amazing how quickly it goes. But um, you know, the fans are, are so incredibly important and I hope that they, they feel my, my genuine appreciation. I try to, sh I try to let them feel that when I'm on stage and, um, and when I meet fans around the country and, and it happens regularly where people recognize me and, and, uh, want to get a, a, a selfie or, or want me to just talk to them. I really do hope that they know how, that I, I'm not, it's not coming from a, a an ingenuous, a disingenuous place. It really, I genuinely appreciate my fans truly, and I'm and I care about them. I really do. Yeah. You know, if you if you share something with me that that whether it's uh, positive or negative, I want you to know that that it really does matter to me. And if someone, you know, I meet fans and they'll say, can you pray for my grandmother or can you pray for my husband? Uh, I actually put them on my prayer list and I pray for them. So it's not wow. just I don't say yes, I will and not do it. I actually do get on my knees and pray, you know, for that, for the people that people ask me to pray for. So it's, you know, and, and that's a way to genuinely care. Love yes. that. Mm -hmm. So as we start to close out here, where do you want to be in five years? I would love to continue doing what I'm doing. And I would love to, um, to really be able to find other venues. You know, I have a heart for, um, for autistic and, um, and, uh, people with down syndrome and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and different, different type of thing. I have, I have a lot of friends who, uh, who have, uh, downs and, and autistic children and, and I really have a heart. And so I'm praying that God will, um, will open up a door that will allow me to be able to, to entertain and minister to the oh, families wow. of, and people who have downs and, and autistic, uh, and, and autism. So. Love that. Yes. So as we close out with the last question here, um, let's say you had a friend of yours and they they want, you know, they feel like entertainment is in their blood like you did. Yeah. And they're really good at whatever it is that they do, whether it's what you do, whether it's singing, whatever, but they're good at what they do. Um, and they feel called to this and they're just getting their feet wet. So they're sitting at, they're out there performing a few places here and there. What advice would you give that specific person to kind of help guide them the next couple of years? Never, ever, ever stop working to be better. Never. Doesn't matter how good you get. Never stop working. Never have. Don't worry if it never if you never get the big stuff. Don't worry yeah. if you never become yeah. a, a headliner in Vegas or you become a movie star or a, a famous singer. Doesn't matter. That that is that is irrelevant. It, and I mean this, it is not going to make you happy. If you're unhappy now, you are going to be unhappy when you get rich and famous. If it happens, you yeah. need to be happy yeah. with yourself and you need to work on your craft every single day. Your dream will never die. I don't care if you, how old you get, your dream will never die. If you are always working on your craft, it doesn't matter what that craft is. Maybe if you're, if you want to write, you need to write every single day because the minute you put that typewriter up or you put that pen away and stop writing, the dream really does die. The minute wow. you stop working on your vocals, the minute you start stop working on your comedy writing or your or whatever it is you if you stop it, you've just killed the dream. As long as yeah. you're working on it, the yeah. dream is always there and it may never happen, but you know what? You're going to be so satisfied with what you're doing and you're going to have such a sense of self-fulfillment 
because you're being becoming the best you can possibly be at something that you're going to find that you, that those dreams of being rich and famous are really irrelevant to your happiness. Definitely love that. So as you know, we're in the internet and social media world. So tell everybody how they can find you. Oh, I'm everything is Terry Fader. So it's like my TikTok is uh, t- TikTok uh, was at or at, I don't know how it goes at at or hashtag or whatever Terry yeah. Fader. <laughs> um, I think my YouTube is is official Terry Fader, but uh, but you can look me up. You can find me. I, I release things regularly on on my social media. I'm going to start doing a lot more TikTok. I finally got my my TikTok verified. And so I'm going to be doing a whole lot of different things on TikTok and having a lot of fun oh, with wow. that. So follow me on, uh, you know, Facebook and, and YouTube every single week on Wednesdays, I release a full length song with one of my puppets on YouTube. Wow. And then I release that same song on Facebook on Thursdays. So if you want an early, if you want to get an early release, then uh, go to, go to my YouTube and, and uh, subscribe. Love awesome. that. And yeah, we really enjoyed having you on the show today and we, we definitely did. look forward to having you back down the road. Oh, thank you. I would love to come back. This was a delight. Oh, we right. enjoyed, we enjoyed it. it. Thanks so much for your time today. You have a great thank day. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. You Bye. too. <laughs> Bye-bye.